Thank you for joining Flawed and Free, the fastest growing inspirational podcast in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for listening to another episode in our Women's Empowerment Series. Today's platform discussion is titled Cultural Awareness. Oh, Lord, I can't even talk. Cultural Awareness and Entrepreneurship in Women of Wisdom. I have a special guest today named Anita Dixon, who has been in the multicultural tourism market for over 20 plus years and continues to blaze trails for her community as a fempreneur and community advocate. Let's get into it, y'all. So question, mm-hmm. how did you monetize your business? Like, how did you get your start when you're starting from scratch and you're maybe not working? How did you come up with your starter funds? Okay, I don't really recommend this because this is a different time. <laughs> but I actually took our rent money for the first endeavor that I started to do, I found out there was a huge black convention in town and I needed to try out this tour I had invented, the African-American heritage tour. So I actually took our rent money and I went and I uh, got flyers printed and various things. I even hired a, a saxophone player to come down in front of the place where the people were gathering and play the saxophone and let me hand out my flyers, right? So I got that done. And by the time I did that for about three or four hours with the people that were outside the convention center. And by the time I got home, our phone line was jammed, okay? That first week that I did that first tour, I hired a bus. The bus cost me like $250. So I used the lights, the gas, when I figured, you know, if nothing else, I'll make my money back. Well, not only did I make my money back, but I made $3,000 that first week. Wow. And it was just, it was just, you know, one of those right place, right time things, you know, here was this, here was this market that was dying for its history. Here was the Black Baptist Convention, 30,000 Black people in town and nobody was supplying. So there was a huge demand and no supplier. I was the only supplier of the Black Heritage Tour. And all I did was get on the bus, have the driver drive around and point out stuff that I already knew to be there. You know, where Count Basie used to play and various things like that. So that's actually how I monetized the first of it. The rest of it, I became a prolific grant writer. You know, I started finding out that you needed things like a 501c3 and not-for-profit federally and how to go down to the... Uh, Secretary of State's office and get a fictitious name and get a bank account and uh, doing business as and those various things I taught myself. And Mm. the marketing on a shoestring was back in the day, there was no email. There was none of those things. So you had to use snail mail and, you know, uh, fax machines. And so monetizing, you've got to get creative. There's no such thing as going in and everybody asks you, oh, I want to go get a loan or a grant. And my suggestion is if you have some money in hand and the faith, put together a business plan, write down the vision. God tells us to do that. 
Yeah. Write the vision, make it plain. Write the vision. And when the vision goes down, somehow you start seeing the avenues of which ways to go. And those ways come about because now the vision is permanent. It's something. It's not just something rolling around your head. Now it's a piece of paper that's giving you the direction, just like a map. And I used it and I revised it and changed it. And as I saw things changing around me, I would change the business or change the opportunities in order to accommodate those things. And monetizing is fairly simple if you live humbly, okay? Live Mm -hmm. humbly. Don't, you know, your money that goes into the business it's your money that goes back into the business. You know, back then I still had to buy paper and I still had to pay printers and I still had to have brochures created and stuff like that. You know, I uh, always knew that would be around, so I always budgeted for it. You know, plus you have to budget for your place to live and all that business. But, you know, having a home based business and monetizing what you have to do, it all comes about when you realize this is who you are, this is what you're going to do. Okay. And uh, as I told you the story before, I realized I was never going to look back again when one time I went and picked up your little sister and uh, for the last time from a babysitter. And I looked up and a big snowstorm started. And I was able to look out the window for the first time in my adult life and watch the snow pile up and knew that I didn't have to get out there and, and brush the snow off and buckle my baby up and fight the cold to get to somebody else's dream. Okay. This was now Mm -hmm. my dream and I could make it anything that I wanted. And I had gone to the grocery store. So we had plenty of food and lights and gas and water and all of that other business. And I just realized that this is who I was. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who takes chances on me and I can make this work because I have children. I have a family. You know, uh, they may not get to buy the best this and I may not be the sister that shows up at the event and the latest that and driving the best this, but it's the best life I've got because I'm taking care of my family and it works for me. And I've done quite a few things since then. When I get invited to places and people read my bio, sometimes I think, Lord, (laughs) that sure sounds good. Who is that woman? Right. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely work for Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know. So, the so next question I have is: How did you transition from how things started in technology, like you said, with snail mail and all those things, into this new age technology that we have now? How was that learning curve? That learning curve was expensive. Okay. I had to start making more money in order to have those things because you couldn't keep making the excuse that somebody would say, do you have email? And you, oh, we'll have that soon. Well, you could make that excuse in three months. Okay. So I had to go and get rid of the fax machine and get rid of the word processor with the twin screen and go get a computer that had dial up, you know, (laughs) you know, I had to do that and I had to work my way through it and it got to be expensive. So that's when I realized that if I didn't keep up with the technology, I would be out of business. Okay. 
And at 63 years old right now, you know, the technology is so high and moving so quickly that now I hire people to do those things, but I still keep abreast of what it is because you can't be a successful entrepreneur if you don't know what everybody's doing. Right, right. There's a, there's a, there's, you have to build your own IQ is what I've been told. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> even when you're hiring people to do certain things, or even if you don't know the ins and outs of, of everything A to Z, you still should, uh, educate and make yourself knowledgeable of how certain things are done or how, you know, so that that way you can help build your own IQ. Mm-hmm. To know what's going on around you, otherwise, in the wrong hands, you could be taken advantage of. Oh, I was, and I was. Someone had hijacked my um, website that I had built because wow. I didn't know how to access it or anything like that. So I stopped all that and got all the codes and numbers. I don't do that anymore. But you know, mm-hmm. you got to understand too. I come from the era where you know you can hang up on somebody and you be through with the conversation. You know, uh, I come from the era where dial, where a dial phone tone was still a part of life. You know, so to go from that type of 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 technology to this thing that I'm doing with you right now, this right. speaking across a computer that used to sit on my desk and weighed 500 pounds, right? You know, to something I can hold in my daggum hand. You know, it's 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 an incredible leap. So I realize now that I've lived in six decades. Oh, wow. Okay, I have been a cognizant, conscious person in six different decades. So I've watched a lot of this. And then I thought to myself, how it must have been for my grandmother to see the phone invented and in her house. Okay, that this is the kind of thing that, you know, I I have a business now, as you know, called Sage Consultants. And my tagline is ancient wisdoms for millennial strategies. Oh, I love that. Yeah. People want to play you off because you've gotten older and you don't know this and you don't know that. But the question is, if the world ever turns and you need the Dewey Decimal System, I'm probably the only person on the face of the earth who could walk you through some information. (laughs) okay not the Dewey decimal system well you you know i'm i you're one of the most intelligent women i've ever met to date Uh, a lot of times when i have um spoken to people about you about your business or what you do and i tell people all the time i'm like man my mom is a walking encyclopedia no lie (laughs) And there's some, there's a backstory to that because I believe you told me once before about my grandmother. Didn't she make you guys read the encyclopedia? Oh, what you mean? Was that you? one of us. It used to be a time where a door-to-door salesman sold you a yearly encyclopedia, right? And you got all 26 letters and anything that came under A to Z was in this encyclopedia, right? The books, So mama, on your 10th birthday, you received your gift of the latest encyclopedia. Well, she had six kids. So we had books everywhere, everywhere. Mama had subscriptions to Jack and Jill magazines and various things. And she was one of those cut off that damn TV 
Open up those damn books. What do you think I'm paying for? So we were the only kids we knew that could go home and study that didn't have to go to the library for the encyclopedias because we had them. Wow. We had them at home. So we could bring our work home. And it got to be a thing where my brother Ralph, rest his soul, you know, your uncle died. But my wow. uncle, my brother Ralph would do games with us. And we learned how to do lightning rounds and names that you, you know, name the arm, spell armadillo. And you, we'd have spelling bees and, you know, informational since so when did Martin Luther King die? Well, if you didn't have the encyclopedia that coincided with that, you at least had to know his birthday. <laughs> so these were things that we created as kids, you know? So my mother was very, very smart in the fact that she, she realized the value of books, having a library in your home. And I'll never forget her saying this, and this might be kind of raunchy, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> never sleep with a man who doesn't have a personal library. <laughs> never. And what never. was that? And what was that? Never for? sleep. That was never sleep with a man that doesn't have a personal library. You mm. know, that means that you're not dealing with a man who doesn't read. Mm -hmm. You know, who you can't have conversations with this person. <laughs> you, can't have, you know, it might be something else going on and okay, that's all good. But tr don't try to have a relationship because it won't work. Mm. You're too smart. And a lot of people who do not value education like my mother valued education was one of the reasons why she left my father here in Kansas City because she didn't feel like the education that her children were going to get out of the Kansas City school system was suffice for what she wanted for us. So she moved us to Colorado, which to this day was a very, very good idea. Well, speaking of education, you know, um, that's kind of a two-edged sword in the entrepreneurial world mm. because you know there are there are people that have gone to school from and received business and marketing degrees and and I'm sure they you know adjunctively help with some of the dynamics of becoming an entrepreneur however um it's not required to no. become an entrepreneur to have a degree no. so what do you say to those about either going to school to achieve or get an education or the route that you took? I say that there's a difference between a small business owner and an entrepreneur. Mm. A small business owner is a person who has a definite focus on something. Uh, it's a restaurant. It's a this, it's a that. They go to school to learn how to count their money. They, they learn how to get so much meat to put, you know, that's a small business owner. Okay, it's a very specialized focus. You know exactly what you want to do, blah, blah, blah. Not saying you're not an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur is a visionary. They see opportunity in just about everything they do and where they go. Mm -hmm. So you have to be that person that people come to you and say, hey, look, I've got this idea. So people people bounce ideas off of me all the time. And, they, well, what do you, and I say, because I'm able to see the end of the idea. If you can see the end of something, you can like walk your way back as to how to get there. So I'm the person that people come to and say, I have this idea. And I say to them, okay, tell me your idea. They tell me the idea and I tell, okay, look, in this time and date that you're in, 
this is where you can go. This is what you can do. This is the end of where you could possibly be, you know? And if you don't dream big, why are you even doing it? You know, you'll catch those people with those, whoa, whoa, I ain't want to do all that. Well, then don't ask me. <laughs> Almost okay. what they would, you know, label as a business strategist. And and that's become very popular, social media marketing, business strategist. I've actually fallen into the that category um, as I continue to delve into entrepreneurship and, and building business and being a biz builder. I, I see a lot of creativity that I have that I never really used and a lot of strategy that I've always had, but I've just used in my personal life. And um, so I, I believe I fall probably a little closer in the faith-based entrepreneurship um, and helping myself and helping others um, in that particular niche. But um, overall, I, I see a host of opportunities, like you said, that vision, right? It's mm-hmm. not just a small, it's not just the business idea. I, I see vision for growth in so many different areas. Um, and if the Lord sees fit to agree, then I hope to have multiple businesses and multiple streams of income and prepare and set things up for my children and their grandchildren to help build some generational wealth. That's the goal. But above all, you know, I have found passion that I've done personally and it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't. And so I'm finding my way in the things that I've pretty much done for free for years as far as counseling, some of my life coaching um, work that I've done unofficially and some of the things that I've done for over the years and poured into people and into their businesses and help people strategize their lives in different ways. And so these are things that have always been a part of what I've done. I've just never put it into a, a plane, into a vision, you know, to... I tell people the day it becomes a chore, the day that you are upset about having to do it, give it to somebody else. Go away. away. Right. (laughs) Give it to somebody else because that might be somebody else's blessing you're churning at. You know, because people will come to you with their ideas and everything. The next thing you know, you find yourself wound up in it because it was something that sounded good. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then the next thing you know, those people start resenting you. Then the next thing you know, you're doing their work. And then the next thing you realize, oh, no, this wasn't supposed to be me. So the day that you stop feeling that passion, the day that you don't wake up, you know, thanking God that you're on that grind type thing is the day that you walk away. You've lost nothing by walking away. Sometimes you've lost a lot, but what you gain is your footing. You know, that's someplace you're not supposed to be. Right. And as an entrepreneur, as a person, like I said, I found myself accidentally there. I found myself out of necessity having to be there. And, you know, the pride of being an educated woman and and the ability to think like my mama always taught me to think, you got to go in that kitchen and find something for your children to eat. There can't be nothing. So cooking is a skill, Anita. It's not a hobby. It's a skill. 
And yeah. you have to learn in there and do that. So my skill sets didn't permit didn't permit me to go on welfare. It didn't permit me that. Right. Now, you know, I don't know what that means to anybody else, but I could hear my mama in my ear. For all you know, this is as far, for all I did, this is the best you got. Hmm. Standing in line with everybody else, begging for it and such and such and so and so. See, she says, I did that. Why are you doing that? I did that for you. I don't want you doing that. So my skill sets would not permit me to go down to the welfare office. Okay, I can do this because my mother sacrificed too much for my education, okay? So that I would be a skilled person. And I mean, I tell you, I use them skills, honey. I, I became a caterer for some of my events. Right. Okay, because I could cook. Oh, well. Oh, we're looking to have a chicken barbecue dinner and so on, so on. We want potato salad and this, that. Well, heck, I can make that happen. Can you make this happen with $500? Yes, ma'am, I can. So, you know, you have to be that person who has the skill sets, but your skill sets have to always be so plentiful. There always has to be something like someone tried to insult me by telling me, oh, you just know everything. I said, you know, I know a whole lot of stuff. And that that I do not know, I ask until I do. So, yeah, I know a lot of stuff. And I'm not afraid to let you know how incredibly intelligent I am. So what do you do when you're working at a thing and you've thrown everything you can throw at it? You know, your education, your knowledge, your wisdom, your expertise, whether you be the subject matter expert or not. You've literally thrown the whole kitchen sink at it. And it still doesn't seem to be giving you the fruit that you desire. Because you threw the kitchen sink, because you were the actionary person, instead of taking a look back. And this is where the faith part of what you need to be comes in. Mm -hmm. This is when you have actioned, 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 done this, done that, wore yourself out, screamed, yelled, hollered, and it's still not working. Well, you didn't listen to that silent voice in your ear that was telling you probably two, three months ago that that was not the way to do it, Hmm. that you're going to wear yourself out. So that's when I found myself, as you know, in dire sickness, because many a times I tried to action my way through a lot instead of faithing my way through a lot. Right. Okay. So whenever you do that, whenever you find yourself stressed out like that and you're throwing everything at it, you got, and it's still not there. It's because that's what you're doing. You're throwing all your gifts away. You're throwing all your peace away. You're throwing everything you got away. You're throwing your family away. You know, you're throwing your children away. You're throwing good times that you could be watching a movie and popping popcorn because God got it all whenever you get through. Yeah. How do you find the balance though? How do you find the balance when you're on the quote unquote grind and, you know, from some, cause when you're an entrepreneur, you're a self-made business builder, it's, it's a nonstop, you know, 
up and down 24, you know, 24 hour job, more or less? How do you find balance in your personal life, your business life when it's all on you, when that next dollar depends on on you? Well, I'm going to tell you like the song tell you when you've done all that you can, then just stand. I, I can remember doing that. And like I tried to tell you once before, sometimes it's a down on your knees thing. Sometimes that balance will come no matter what you do. Sometimes balance is sickness. You've ground yourself so deep into the daggum ground that you're looking up and you're sick. You can't go no further. Well, that's the price. Well, God forbid you wear yourself down to sickness because you definitely don't want to have that as a result of the work that you're doing to build business. The power your tongue will do to you when you get in that position, when you think it's all you. Because I thought Mm -hmm. it was all me. Oh, if it wasn't for me, blah, blah, blah. Right. I sat there and I said it out loud. I'll never forget it. All I want is two weeks in the bed. That's all I need is two weeks in the bed. I got deathly ill three days later. I had an emergency hysterectomy. Okay. Bleeding like a sieve. Emergency hysterectomy that put me exactly 14 days on my back in the hospital with a tube down my nose. And that's when I realized that the power of the tongue was that strong. Yeah. So like it or not, if you think it's all you, it ain't. If you think it can't be done without you, it can. <laughs> if you think that all you got to do is grind, 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 and leave your family alone and don't cook and don't, you know, you got to show up at everything. No, you don't. Because in the kind of work that I did, they were always holding what they called networking events, right? Still and do. I tried to show up at all the networking events and stuff, but... My day would be through by 2.30, so Les would get off that bus. I I couldn't find a babysitter at night because my child didn't talk. So he couldn't just leave her anywhere. So I found myself missing those things no matter what I tried to do. And people were telling me, oh, you missed that. You missed the networking this. You missed the, oh, you didn't get to meet the people who were going to push you forward. Well, I had to find other meet ways to meet the people who are going to push me forward. And it had to be from seven o'clock in the morning to two 30 in the afternoon, period. And I found other ways. I found many other ways because that was a, and that were easier on me that I have spent a lot of money driving around, getting dressed up, you know, spending my last $20 trying to set in a lunch and I had no business that no way. Right. So, you know, it's like when you're throwing, when you find yourself doing that, stop, 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 stop. I implore people and watch your tongue. As an entrepreneur, you are very, very powerful because the visions that you're given are given because spirit knows you can pull it off. But if you start abusing that because you think it's all you, oh, the spirit will show you real, real fast what the power of your tongue will do. 14 days in the bed is exactly what I got. After major surgery, Mm -hmm. and a tube down my nose. That's what I got. Right. 
So, so can you recall one of your greatest failures in business that you don't mind sharing? I'm, I'm sure <laughs> over the 20, 30 plus years that you've been in business, you probably have a whole book full of to <laughs> Your I can't really even call. I wish I could call them failures now, but they weren't. Okay. Not one of them was a failure. There was some colossal missteps, <laughs> but all I can say is that they were such, such lessons of life that now I look at them and I can laugh because I can remember when. So I can't really tell people, oh, I can warn people about the puddles I already know are there. But if somebody comes to me with their passion and their soul and everything, and they come up with something that I've never heard before, I am the last one to tell you don't do that. I'm the last one. I can tell you where you might be able to alleviate a little bit of the stress or something like that, but I can't call them failures anymore because that's not what they were. Now I could have done without a couple of marriages. God knows that's true, (laughs) but failures. No, because they prepared me for one of the greatest guys I ever met in my life. Okay. So even they weren't mistakes. Okay, because had I not met them, I wouldn't know what the greatest was. You know that, you know, you know what I mean about that? It's like contrast is good. Okay, you you look and you realize that that didn't go quite right. But don't call it a failure. It was contrast. So the next time you look at something, you have that to contrast what's good or what's bad against, right? So the greatest, let me, let me get into this. Probably the biggest contrast I had was my marriage to this last, I don't even like saying his name. Right. But he was such a a lesson in never looking back that I have to congratulate him and all of that that came with that horrible experience because he taught me that what was before, what was behind me was behind me. I was looking at life through a rear view mirror and he was not that anymore. He was nowhere close. So when you start defining yourself in what was, then that's the biggest mistake if you can say that you're going to. How you had this little waist, how you was this, how you was that, how how much money you had, and what was this, and so and so blaming. If you do that, then that's going to be the biggest quote unquote contrast you'll ever find if you ever find your footing again. Because some people never find their footing after that big a mistake. Well, in contrast to what I just asked about failures, then can you recall any great successes that you'd like to share? My greatest successes. (laughs) I have to say this, and I know it sounds weird, but the greatest success was, was the day you were born. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I should have. Because 
it woke me up to the fact that I had to be somebody now. I couldn't be the chick on the street and walking in the club and trying to be something I wasn't. I had to grow up. I had to make money. I had to make you proud of me. You ha I had to be the kind of mother that my mother was to me. Right. And that was a beautiful, smart woman who might have had her flaws. And God knows she did, especially later on in life. But I could be guaranteed, but my mother would show up at school in a butte knit suit and high heels and her hair done. And people, you know, my mother dated Sonny Liston, <laughs> the, the heavyweight champion of the world. And he came to school for show and tell for me. <laughs> That's the kind of person I wanted to be. I wanted to be that for you. So my greatest success was successfully bringing a person into the world that I owed the only person I would ever owe anything to. Oh, don't make me cry. I know, I know but that's, that's, that's the deal. I never feel like I owe anybody anything. The only people I feel like I owe are my children. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I've demonstrated that a million times. Like, psst, say what you will. Oh, nobody, nothing but the person I bought here. That's it. Right. So you base your success virtually on your passion because yeah. you have success after success after success, but you're only as good as the last one. You know what yeah. I mean? Right, right. Nobody what, do you, what do you do when you present an idea or a vision and no one believes in it? And, <laughs> you know, how do you... <laughs> You know, people may not receive or understand or what do you do with that? What have you done with that? You have to laugh at them and go on to the next one. Just because <laughs> you have to laugh at them because if they can't see the tide turning, okay, if they can't see the sand shifting, then you have to go to higher ground mm -hmm. and you have to leave them just where they are. So just because they didn't see it doesn't mean I've seen some people uh, present something. Oh, so-and-so didn't like it. So, so you're going to stop? Well, there are the people that know you make the decisions in your life. Now, I had to learn this. Mm. But a good idea is based on your plan. The good idea pans out in the market. The good idea shows the numbers. The good idea shows the interest. And if you're able to take those numbers and names and interest and instances and put them on paper and put them in front of somebody, they're either going to do one or two things. They're either going to enjoy it and say, yeah, let's work with you, or they're going to steal it and tell you it ain't worth no good, which I have done, have had happen to me too. Wow. Okay, wow. going in there all excited. Oh, well, you know what, Miss Dixon, this doesn't quite look like what we're looking for, but thank you. Thank you for coming. The next thing I know, my stuff's all over the place. Oh, no. Oh, that's what you risk, though. Were you able to recover or, you you know, fight for no. your idea? Mm -mm, a couple no. of times, no. I even had a girl who won an award based on what I did, and she didn't change a word of my proposal, not a word. 
Oh, no. I sent it to her. She took my name off, put her name on, submitted it, and was awarded. But I did show up at her office. I said, you didn't even have the decency to change the name. I wrote a letter to her boss. She stole my stuff. Here it is. Okay, you may not believe me. Oh, your boss was upset with me. So, oh, I how, trust her so how do you prevent? How do you prevent that from just? I and mean, when it's just an idea or a pitched idea, you have to learn. How do you, how, you get a copyright for your idea? You have to copyright <laughs> the idea. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. If you fleshed out that idea, well, enough, it's kind of like a business plan. I mean, hey, look, non-disclosure. That's just what they are. Mm, get somebody okay. to sign a non-disclosure depending on how big a presentation you're going to do now if you're just going to do a dangling what i like to call dangling the carrot okay then you just put enough down where they can go oh wow maybe she knows what she's doing okay now anybody now I, you don't dangle a carrot in front of me see because i already know how to flesh it out so don't call mm. yourself bringing me no idea that you don't i'm not a i'm not a thief first of all i'm not gonna steal your idea Mm. But there are people out there that will. So my suggestion is always dangle the carrot. Learn how to write your words to, let's say somebody needs some services out of you. Instead of going in and saying, how you always know that you have to be on your guard because they'll ask you this. Uh, could you put that in a little bit more detail so we could read it? The answer is no. No, mm. I can't. I can't do that, however, if I get a contract. Be happy to do more detail with a contract. Got you. And you send that back because you can always tell the thief it's because they're hanging on your every word, but then they'll try to get more out of you at the meeting, right? It'll be, oh, well, tell us how you would do that. Let us, let us hear a little bit more about, oh, okay, no, I'd love to, but right about now. Let me move on to the next one so we can pretty much get this picture. So you you dang, you keep dangling that carrot until you let them realize that you know what they're doing. Mm, okay. Okay. So okay. it's always, you can't go in there with an idea and just tell somebody, hey, I'm smart. Give me an idea. Unless you're Tyler Perry or something like that. <laughs> and they're already listening to you. Right, right, but right, right. If understood. You fleshed out that that idea. Don't flesh it out with all the details. I used to put in objectives and outcomes and da 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 and time frames. I don't do that no more. Hey, look, you want to learn more? Give me the contract. And then you always put at the bottom. This information is that 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 for presentation purposes only, and the copyright that that that, and give them a name, give them a number. Copyrights cost $35. Right. right. You know, if you've got that, hey, invest that money in that because the world's full of a thief. And the biggest thieves are the people with the biggest jobs. Hmm. Okay. It's their job to hold on to their, but they don't work. They go to luncheons and three martini lunches and they sniff up everybody's behind to do what they do. And then you find out they ain't doing nothing. They need you. Hmm. Right, right. So, yeah, but you run that risk. You know, it's going to happen. 
Right, right. Okay, stop. Well, basically, you know, basically just know your value, know your worth. Don't settle for anything less despite what, you know, whatever position that you're in. Your idea can be a multi-billion dollar idea and it can gain you even more value. So, you know, acknowledge the acknowledge what you have or what's been put inside of you and guard it. Guarded. Be careful with how you disseminate that vision and do it in the appropriate, you know, manner, so that you're not taking advantage of. But don't be so guarded that you're not afraid to get out there and do it on your own. Because right. what actually comes upon that once you've been rejected so many times and they find out they can't steal from you, then they'll try to keep stuff from you, the funding or something like that. You've always got to find a way to get it done. And if you sit down and think about it long enough or you have somebody who believes in you or you have your own money, take a chance on you. Take a chance on you. What else else do you have if you don't have you? But these are the things that you do. You know, you're going to run the risk of that. You've heard the horror stories. Many of us have them. All professional people who are entrepreneurs have that story. Somebody who took something they weren't supposed to that made you aware of what you had to do next. So you have to protect yourself. Musicians particularly fall in this category. Gotcha. Well, I tell I tell you what, I've seen you hobnob with some of the biggest, latest and greatest. Um, there's a there's a list of people that you've had the opportunity over the years to work with in business. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that you want to make mention of uh, today? I know I've seen uh, I know Awadajan. I remember him. He was a musical uh, pianist. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time. And then um, I know there's several people that you've had the opportunity just in business to meet. Debbie Allen, Greer, the Nicholas Brothers, Charlie Atkins, who was the choreographer for Motown, uh, the guy who wrote Let's Get It On, uh, Ed Townsend for, oh my goodness, I could go, uh, Savion Glover, uh, people I've done you know, particular business with, you know, like Jenny Lagan, the first black woman to uh, star in a major motion, motion picture, uh, directors, dancers of note. Uh, there, there are so many governors, uh, me and Bill Clinton and Al Gore, and <laughs> I can go there. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, I mean, I've, these are witness facts, uh, from myself. The reason why I asked you to list them is because off of the top of my head, I can't even remember, um, I know the trumpet or I know there's a lot of different situations and places and people and pictures. And I've attended some of your events and I've seen people in in these events and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. Isn't this awesome? Um, That, you know, you've had the opportunity to work with in business. So, you know, that says a lot. That says a lot about uh, your value and your worth and and, um, what you've been able to do over the years to have that platform. So it has definitely 
really been inspiring. It's been completely and totally inspiring. And to be where I am to now in the baby stages of growing my business, um, my hope is that it grows exponentially according to the will of God, whatever he's desired for me. I have placed it back into his hands, back into his lap for him to do as he's will to do with all of my businesses that are to come. So I am blessed to have you in my life as a mentor and as a mother, as a supporter and all of those things. So again, I thank you so much for coming on and being one of my first guests on the entrepreneurship uh, yes. series that I have. It couldn't have been done any other way. So Can thank I you. Can something I saw today yeah. real quick? Yeah. It said, I saw, I went to a place because you know I'm writing my book. Uh-huh. And yeah, I, I do know. Call, and this girl had something on her desk that said, God gives every bird his food, but he does not throw it into the nest. Ha 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 Yes. You got to get out there. You got to go and get them worms on your own. The food is out there. The opportunity is there, but God ain't going to pick it up and throw it to you. No, this ain't a catch thing. This is a go find thing. This yeah. is a find yourself thing. So I am honored, as I said, the technology has brought us here and together yes, as mother and yes. I'm excited. Yes, thank you for sharing this journey with me, Mom. And I'm going to go ahead and tag ourselves out. But I thank all of you for joining for part one of our Women of Wisdom and Entrepreneurship podcast um, episode. And there's much more to come as usual. And I thank you so much for joining and listening, subscribing and sharing to Flawed and Free. You can find me on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud. And you can also find my presence on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can go directly to my website, which is www.thefloodandfree.com. So again, thank you for visiting. Less of me, more of you, flawed and free, free to be me. Thank you all. Be blessed. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Don't forget to go check me out on my website or all of the digital media streaming platforms of your choice. I am on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or let's just make it easy. You can go straight to my website at theflawedandfree.com. Thanks again. Y'all be blessed.